I'm going to stay down here tonight. I don't like the podium. Feels like I get trapped in. If you want to follow along with me, please go to uh, Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved, and God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious one. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn twice dead uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ they said to you. And the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now forever. Amen. Uh, Y'all know I love the book of Jude, those that are uh, here, uh, members here at Warner Springs Road. And all scripture... Uh, you can never stop studying it, and every time you study it, you're gonna you're gonna get something new from it. You're gonna get, you know, it's 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 another one of the miracles of, of God's word. It never gets old. There's no, no doesn't matter how much you study it. That's why I love it when people 
you know, they say, well, God was speaking to me today because I got up in the morning, I was having a hard time, opened up the Bible, pointed to a verse, and it was exactly what I needed for the day. Well, yeah. It's all exactly what you need for every day, all day. You can point to any verse here, and even if it's a little abstract, just go one or two verses in either direction, and it's something good you need for that day. So, anyway. <clears throat> Yesterday, we... we, we uh, we talked about humility and humility uh, in reference to you know, these issues and PTSD and depression and all that. And, and humility, uh, I, want, I focused on the part of humility that you have to be able to humble yourself to admit when you're wrong. All right? So once you've done that and, uh, you know, through, uh, what, you know, my story, the, the next thing that I learned, and, and today we're finally getting into positive territory. It's not going to sound like it when I start, but we're, we're done with, with that. But it's all, you know, we're getting into positive territory. Just stick with me like I said yesterday. Be patient. Everybody's seen a movie, right? Everybody's, you know, a full-length motion picture. Everybody's seen one. On average, is an hour and a half. So just think about that. If you can sit there an hour and a half of garbage, then, then you can give me a minute. So I might go long is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to apologize for it either. So, truth and remembrance. We, we, uh, we have a lot of sayings when it comes to issues that, that people are having. Somebody does something in particular that is, is you know, ugly and, and they're, they're dwelling on it, and we got all these key phrases. Uh, just let it go. Give it to God. That's my least favorite one. Give it to God. Uh, don't dwell on it. Don't worry about it. And uh, that's, it's, that's terrible advice. It's terrible. It, it's, it's right and it's wrong. You have to do those things, but there's, there's, there's stuff that needs to happen in between that. You know, it, it's not just let it go. You, uh, humility, that's why I talked about humility yesterday. Usually if, if, if you're having something that's stuck in your head and you're having to deal with it, it it's not pleasant. Otherwise, people wouldn't be like, oh, let that go. You know, it's something bad. What you need to do with that, and it took me a long time to learn it. It took me up until the, the, the point after all the subjects I talked about before today, to today, to realize uh, through that humility that when you ignore all the bad stuff you did and you, you store it away, it doesn't go anywhere. It never goes anywhere. It's there. Now, if you don't, and, and, and Scripture tells us, confess with your mouth. Scripture, scripture talks a lot about that. It doesn't say... Hold it in and do a lot of praying. No, there's some things, confess with your mouth. You know, get it out. You got to, you, you know, get it out there. But spend time with it and own it. You got to own it. You know, spend time with, with, with whatever that was. Own it, process it. Talk to somebody about it. That's that getting it out. Confess it with your mouth. We offer an invitation, you know, for folks to come forward. 
that's a perfect time to do that because it, it works. I don't know why. I can't explain it. I know God said to do it, and it works. So that's it for me. Whatever. I'm not going to analyze it any more than that. But you got to own it. Now, I say it's right and wrong to say things like let it go, give it to God. I don't like that one. Don't dwell on it and don't worry about it is that that part in the middle is you got to take ownership of it before you're going to be able to categorize that in your head as this was okay and then stick it in there and you don't want to suppress it or get rid of it because you're going to need that. You know, we, we, we talked about yesterday that idea of all the events in your life, good, bad, tragic, all that makes up that, that composition of music in your life, you know, that gives you that depth, that gives you that experience. So you need that in there. And you need that in there so that way it, it, it's something that you can connect with and you can go back to when you're about to do something stupid and remember. You know, that's why I say, you know, I don't regret. I'm ashamed of, but I don't regret the things that I did. I'm, I'm ashamed of them, but I don't regret them. And that's because, you know, out of nowhere, sometimes I'll just be driving down the road or I'm sitting quietly and something pop in my head that I did or, you know, going on. And it'll give me the chills. I'm like, man, whoa. But that's good. You need that. It's just as important as the being happy. You know, you need those things to, to, to keep you grounded, to keep you set. Another thing is, is that when you leave stuff in your head like that and you don't confess it, especially when it comes to sin, when you don't, when you don't let that go, you don't, you know, discuss it with another brother or sister in Christ or come forward when we offer that invitation. When you don't let it go, uh, it's got power. It, it affects you. It makes you change your behavior. It makes you, you know, not want to be around people. It makes you awkward socially. But once you do that and, 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 and confess it out, confess that sin, confess what, what the issue is out loud to people, it loses all of its power. When we do it in a proper way and we, you know, we're, we're, we commit a sin and we know we've wronged someone, or, or you know, we, we, that's why we have to come forward. That's, you know, I'm, I'm speaking as if you, know, you were a uh, uh, baptized uh, believing Christian, that you know, that's that part of that maintenance that, that we have to do and keep, keep track on ourselves. You know, when we do that and we do it and we mean it, anybody can walk up and do it. You're like, yeah, this is what I better do, you know, I messed up. And then if you turn around and do the same thing the next day, you didn't mean it, you know. Uh, you, can, you can come up here every Sunday and if it's the same issue, you know, there's, there's some other work needs to be done. The, the thing is you really need to... That's why I say when, when you commit the sin or you do the wrong thing, sit with it. It hurts. But if you don't sit with it and look at it and, and, and process it, it it's going to uh, lead to the road we talked about yesterday. Suicide and all those other things. You know, that's the end result when you do that. That's the whole point of that. That's why I said all those folks that I know that don't have Christ, that don't know God, when you get to that point, you don't have somewhere to fall back on. Uh, uh, remember God in your youth, right? So, you know, hopefully you don't make those choices. So, the best 
one of the best things, I'm not going to say the best, because it's not the best, but one of the best things that happened to me in my adult life was getting arrested. And a lot of, you know, you, get, you, you see a lot of people, you know, on those prison shows, and for some reason, everybody goes to prison and finds God. Okay, well, I was never in prison. Um, and the arrest isn't what uh, made me, you know, I wasn't like, oh, man, I better stop, because I didn't stop. I mean, I kept going. Uh, I didn't stop. But it was the catalyst. It was, it was the, the thing that happened that kept coming up for a year that ended up leading me back to the church. So, uh, just to give you the Cliff Notes version, because it's, it's important, uh, there, there's a couple crimes that get a real bad stigma, right? Domestic violence is one of them. You're guilty until proven innocent. So, you know, and everybody you hear about uh, domestic assault and your first reaction is, well, man, we should get that guy, you know. And that's what people think. And uh, Austin, Texas, number one, doesn't like the military. So if they got an excuse to be a little rough on them and they can uh, accuse them of uh, felonious strangulation of their spouse, you're going to get rolled up. So I'm laying in bed. Uh, it was Christy's birthday. We done. It was great. It was awesome. I got you know a real nice hotel. You got to get not hotel, but reservations at a restaurant in Austin, Texas. Was doing everything right, you know. And I, I would have been good if I did not have alcohol on on in, in me. And I wouldn't even. But as soon as you drink alcohol, it's your any word you had to say doesn't matter anything. Anyhow, long story short, I had an altercation with the cab driver because I didn't like him driving around the block, and he was going to show me and uh, it was a van, and I yelled at him and had some choice words, and so he hooked his little minivan right and then put the front of that thing in the ground. So I go for it, and I look over, Christy's not there anymore. She's up there by him. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So she got a little scuffed up. She's mad, 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 mad. We weren't, we weren't in church yet, so you know there was no control on the tongue or anything else, and I was already in a heated mood. So she got mad. Now, when Christy got mad at that time, it was time for everybody just to back up. You didn't want to be around mad Christy. So I get out. I had the sense enough to calm down. She gets out. She's downstairs. I go up to the room, laying down in bed, watching History Channel documentary on the Sumerians. And there's a knock on the door. Christy left her key. I open the door. It's two Austin police officers. They say, what's up? I said, I don't know. What's up? Where's your wife? And they look in the bathroom. I'm like, I guess she's downstairs. I thought you were hurt. What's going on? And they said, well, it doesn't matter anyway. You're being arrested for felony strangulation. And I started to ask them, who did I strangle? Not nicely. And, uh, and then that was about all I remember from that because they put it on me. Uh, you know. So that happened. I ended up getting three charges. They, they got me on that one. Uh, three charges. I got felony strangulation, felony assault with attempt to cause bodily harm, and felony assault with a deadly weapon. They, I didn't know that you could get that, but they'll consider your hands a deadly weapon. So I'll be 40 in April. I have never in my life put my hands on somebody in anger. 
to this day. Ever. Even growing up as a kid, when, when you know, you get in fights in the neighborhood, I almost never got in any altercation. I just, I, you got to do a lot of work to get into a fight. It takes two people. You know, and any altercation I ever got into was never, you know, a fight. It was more just like a defensive thing. I've been hit several times, and the way I was raised was in the church, and that you don't do that. Turn the other cheek. And I kept, right? That's the way I lived. Um, so the rest was a terrible thing. However, we were uh, in the same unit forever. They knew us. They loved us. I, you know, I was real good at my job, this and that. I didn't worry about it. And I was like, the truth will come out, the truth. So I'm not going to sweat it. I didn't do it. How could they possibly, each count that I got charged with was a minimum first time prison sentence of 11 years. So I'm looking at 33 years. But I'm really not, I'm like, I didn't do it. The justice system will work for me. It'll be fine. You know, I've done a lot of stupid things, but that wasn't one of them. But yeah, it was very serious. So anyway, the Army cleared me at uh, Fort Hood. They have, you know... <clears throat> Because of all this, there's a lot of military people that end up shooting their wives and their families and all that. So the Army, whenever something comes up, they get real, real big about that. So they, we go through, me and her have to go through this whole process and sit and have a panel and, and talk to us separately and, you know, uh, all that. And they cleared us. So I'm on orders to go to drill sergeant school. They get a lawyer. Uh... We meet the Lord the first time, and he was like, let me see your hands. I'm like, why do you want to see my hands? I showed him my hands. He was like, all right, I'll take it. So I went right when I got out, and I didn't have any defensive marks or anything. There wasn't a, uh, he knew that there wasn't any. My hands weren't swollen, you know, nothing like that. So anyway, he took me. The judge was sympathetic, knew I was on uh, orders to go drill start school, so he was going to table it for two years. That was my assignment, two years. I said, okay. He says, okay, so, you know, I'll see you in two years. So uh, there's a couple firsts throughout this thing. I was lucky enough to be the first case for a brand new prosecutor that just got to take over. Well, a prosecutor that just got to take over a brand new division set up by the state of Texas specifically to handle strangulation for that specific charge. I was her first one. Uh, prosecutors, I found out, you know, what I guess anything else. The success of their job and their, their outlook at promotion is whether or not they get the person. She no longer cared about what was going on because Christy did all kinds of things, and it got, it got grimy. I lost all faith in the justice system. You know, they, they told Christy, do this, this, and this, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll plea it all the way down or we won't bring it before the grand jury. She does all that. Well... You know, then the little games start. Uh, she says, does something and says that she never said that. Well, Christy kept the email, sent it, you know, over and said, look, what's going on here? What's the deal? All right. A little quick lesson in, in, in how grand juries work. If there's even a smidgen of evidence, they'll indict. So the, my lawyer, I, we were going to trial. I didn't do it. I was going to trial. I was going to sit there and testify, and they could ask me whatever they wanted. They could ask her whatever they wanted. She actually went and testified to the grand jury. They said it'll, it'll, uh, they'll indict a ham sandwich was what he told me. So don't even worry about it. Okay, 
I won't worry about it. I went to drill sergeant school. So grand jury meets. They're going to die a ham sandwich. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be, you know, any big deal. They told the prosecutor, we can't indict this. That you don't have enough evidence. So she said, oh, well, I'm waiting on this paperwork from so-and-so. Or I'm waiting on this paperwork from the hospital. And they said, okay, reset the date. Well, grand juries only stay for a certain amount of time. Her third time was her final time, and the grand jury was about to get out. And, uh, and they went on it with that one. I still didn't care, whatever. I'm over being a drill sergeant and everything's going fine at that point that I thought. Uh, prosecutor decides she's going to send all the evidentiary packet and everything that they had on me, which on, of course, the prosecution side doesn't look good, found out where I was stationed and sent it to the brigade legal office. So this thing that wasn't supposed to be brought up, now I'm in a new post and all that, and I'll see you in two years. All of a sudden, uh, I'm Jack the Ripper running around. So they bring it up, talk to her, everything. I'm like, okay, this is going to be all right. They move me over to uh, another company, and I'm there. And throughout this period of time, now remember, everything that I talked about since Sunday, I haven't dealt with any of that. So it's building up, you know, on top of everything that I already talked about, and then now I got these three felonies in the back of my head, not dealing with it. I'm looking at 33 years for something I didn't do. So, and I'm not dealing with it, and I'm, I'm making it quiet, making it quiet. She starts begging me to stop drinking. Just, I don't care what, just stop. But... I was so much in that frame of mind, and I didn't remember anything that I was taught about Scripture. It was still gone. So it was, it was, uh, it was like a bad country song. She says, I'm not raising Caleb in this environment. I'm out. And so... You know, she wasn't saying divorce anything. She was just like, you got to get, get fixed or, or I can't do this. So she's gone. So now it's down to me. And, you know, it's, it's me versus the world. Uh, the new company I go to, the whole thing was for me to go over there so that they could bring me in, take my drill sergeant hat, my badge, and do all that because I was a danger to people because of these accusations. So... They call up one morning, we're on a four-day weekend, and uh, cycle break, so that's when drill sergeants can go take care of stuff. So I was going to go get my car fixed and go into work. And they call me up in the morning, and they say, you need to be in the colonel's office standing tall at 1300. I said, colonel's office, whoa. What do I mean? I said, you hear the term standing on the carpet. So I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on? Nothing, just be there. Do we need to come pick you up? I said, no, I'll be there. I was in my uniform. I was like, I'll be there. So then the first sergeant calls, and he says, he said, you going to be there? And I said, you know, roger that first sergeant. I'm going to be there, but tell me what's going on. Just be there. And I said, okay, got it. Can you give me a heads up what I'm walking into? And uh, he says, you know what this is about. It's about your arrest. The prosecutor has come forward with new evidence and is moving forward with the trial. Now, see, I had already settled it. She wasn't going to give up on it, but I had already gone and signed the paperwork and been done with it. This is the moment when it all came together from the war and everything else and coming up and not dealing with any of this stuff and the suicides and, and, and uh, my own suicide attempt or ideation. 
I literally felt my brain snap at that moment when, when he said that. Because when he said that, I was like, I'm going to prison for 33 years for something I didn't do. Yeah, I broke. It was, that was it. That was the moment. Uh, and I said, well, that changes things now because uh, going and talking to this colonel about uh, something I didn't do when you just told me I'm looking at doing 33 years, I'm going to talk to my lawyer before I talk to any of you because going away for that long is a little more important to me than, uh, than you, sir. I'm sorry. But still, I said, you, you, let me talk to my lawyer. You've got to give me some time. Uh, he says, I just left work at 1700 the night before, and this is the first thing in the morning. He says, you're in Texas, aren't you? And I started laughing. I was like, first of all, in Texas? That's, the, that's where I'm from. And I was like, why would I be in Texas? He said, well, that's where you, that's where you are, aren't you? And I was laughing. I said, yeah, first time. I went crazy, and I'm in Texas. He's like, yeah, I thought so. And then that's the last I talked to him. Long, long story uh, short. They tell me, just come in Tuesday morning, blah, 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 blah. Come in Tuesday morning, they put me on AWOL, absent without leave. And I'm like, what is going on? And I even said at first, I was like, really, AWOL? Really? See, they wanted their four-day two. And on top of that, at 5 o'clock that afternoon, after they had already told me everything is fine, just come in Tuesday with everybody else. They sent four people to my house who I let into my house who were standing in my living room. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I believe the chain of command has lost their minds. I told them that. I said, but I'm obviously not in Texas. I'm, I'm obviously here. They told me to be here Tuesday, blah, 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 blah. They leave. I'm thinking everything's fine. Anyway, so then I go in. That's why I'm super surprised they still gave me, you know, AWOL. So uh, I had to make a decision. And that decision was, um, that's it. Um, and not that's it like it's over, but that's it like I'm done with messing around. So I uh, went to the hospital, told them you got to keep me here. Uh, drink too much. They said, well, we can't keep you inpatient unless you're suicidal. And I said, well, if you let me leave here, I'm going to go get, uh, you know, a drink and this and that. And I said, that's, I am killing myself. I'm not, you know, doing it with a gun or anything, you know. And, and it was just so weird to me because they're, they're all about, well, you got to come and get help. And I'm sitting there begging them, telling me, you can't let me leave here. So I stay there and get sober. And I uh, uh, got sober. And then a funny thing happened. I was able to start thinking. So I quit drinking. I still went in. Uh, had to go stand in front of them finally. They took my rank. They took my hat, took my badge, took my money. You know the deal. Then they messed up on the pay. I didn't get paid for like two months, like zero. So I'm like, man, what am I supposed to do? He said, well, we'll get an emergency loan. I'm like, okay, well, no. But you see, they had moved me over to that company, and I'd only been there two weeks, so they didn't know me. And they said, well, you'll fill in, do the scheduling for all the basic training units, and it's up there in the command group. So I was like, all right. I had quit drinking, so I got real focused, and uh, I did a good job, what I normally did. And they said, 
normally when you get in trouble like that, they move you to another unit, so there's no animosity. Well, they came in, they said, would you mind staying here? We really like the way you work. I said, yeah, I got no problem with y'all. I'll own it. Because like I said on Sunday, that when it comes down to it, I was responsible for all that. It was my fault. Because I can follow it all the way back to, and, and the Bible says a million times, stay away from it. Don't drink. Don't drink. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I did it, and that's what put me in that position. None of that would have happened if I had never taken that first drink. And then the infinite number afterwards. So, I, uh, I got very serious, and I got very focused, and I started to remember some things. Uh, some things would come into my head, you know, from Scripture, and I was, you know, okay, I got it. So, this year goes by, and... Uh, I remembered one thing, and it's mentioned several times in Scripture about, let's find it. I remembered how when, when it said that when, when, when and I was in Isaiah, but when Christ was accused, that he, he stayed silent. He didn't, he didn't say anything back. The thing in Jude where I read with it that uh, Michael did not give, you know, didn't, uh, let's see, Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment but said the Lord rebuke you. Very simple. I started remembering those things. I said, you know, that's one thing I can't remember. For once in your adult life, shut up. Shut up and listen. Start paying attention. So I did. I started focusing. I started paying attention. Because I knew the whole time I had this huge resentment against him, but I was like, the truth is going to come out. The truth is going to come out. So I'm starting to remember these things now that I'm, I'm getting clear-headed, and the truth is going to come out. So I went on this ridiculous, OCD, crazy, I learned military law inside and out. And I kept my mouth shut and listened and watched, and as that company commander got comfortable with me, things started coming out and crazy stuff that I knew wasn't right from the beginning. And, and another amazing thing happened throughout this period. Uh, my mom found this church, so she came in here, and, uh, and so we started coming. So that's when y'all first saw me, I was in the middle of this, of my, 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 my getting better. Uh, and so I started focusing on church again, remembering back to what I was told when I was young. And then I met a, a man who just happened to be the civilian aide of the Secretary of the Army. And we became very close. And after we got to know each other for a while, I said, hey, would you mind taking a look at something? I already put together a little packet that had some of the stuff of the evidence. I had stuff that would put these people in jail. They could have gone to Leavenworth for the stuff that they did. So he looked at it, and he was like, hmm, yeah, I'll support it. So I ended up putting together a book, went and had it bound professionally and all that, about that big, took it to the military, uh, the, the 
whatever, the lawyers, and I said, hey, I want to appeal this. You only have five days to appeal it. This is a year later. But there's a little blip in there in the military law that says unless there's a special circumstance. So I went and found a special circumstance, which was that those people at my house were directed by the chain of command not to make a sworn statement that they saw me here and not in Texas. He said, don't put that down. Yeah. Out of control. I would have never gotten there if I didn't take responsibility and humble myself to the point of saying, I got to fix this. I got to take responsibility for what I did, for what I'm doing. I got to stop poor me and myself and fix it. Everything went in reverse. It was a, like a country song in reverse, I always joke about. Lost the dog, lost, literally lost the dog too. The dog, yeah, literally lost the dog too. Lost the dog, lost the wife, lost the job, all of it. And then it went in reverse. So you get a lot of these preachers, uh, health and prosperity, and I know that's one reason why testimony stories are not popular within the body of Christ, because it always goes to some point of, I felt God come into me, and I saw the angels, and I promise you I saw the angels, and they were there, and God spoke to me. If God's speaking to you, you need to uh, talk to me, because I'll, I'll tell you where to go seek psychiatric help. Because God does speak to us right here. He has spoken to us. We have the complete word. That's where it's at. So don't, nobody in here think that I believe that there was some supernatural, you know, thing going on. Yes, God does answer prayers, but God only, uh, James 22, but be doers of the word, not hearers of the word, only to seem yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away. And at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. My religion was still worthless, but I was learning. I was remembering. And that, took, that, that takes a lot. You've got to go back and focus on it and own it. That's why I said all those things in the beginning. Keep it. Don't, don't let it stay there because it's going to be to your own destruction. Physically and eternally. But I, I remembered. I started remembering. So what I ended up happening was all that focus after everything got back. Uh, I told you there was firsts. It took a long time to get that hat and badge back because I was the first drill sergeant in the history of the United States Army that was ever completely removed from the program and then reinstated. Jerome McMasters, who's in the cabinet with the Trump administration, was the command general out there. He, was, he had to get personally involved in that because they had to make up a new regulation about it. I was like, yeah. But none of that would have happened without, number one, humbling myself to the point of realizing I was responsible for every one of my mistakes. Two, getting intimately reacquainted with telling the truth, understanding the truth in any aspect of that definition. And three, I turned that focus that was on that case and, and put it here. 
you know, I, I realize this, uh, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, study the scripture. Um, so, you know, this says biblical answers. What does it say, Lee? Yeah. Biblical answers to depression, PTSD, and grief. Um, I'm trying to think how to word this. Remember, I told you I got to think very carefully. So if I didn't have this written down and, and over and over again, you know, I, I'm trying not to offend. So we had a situation on Sunday, right, where, where this is new. This is a new type of deal in the Church of Christ. And that terrifies members of the Church of Christ, myself included. Whoa. What's going on here? One of those things including that, uh, you know, 99.9% .9 of anybody's testimony that you hear ends up going to crazy town about God talking to them and inviting the Holy Spirit and this and that. It does, and that's why we have that natural that people that know the truth, that natural aversion to, uh-oh. But it, it's important. That's another interesting thing. Another thing I love about Scripture is that getting prepared for this lesson Something different happened, and, and, and I know it's because of how much I've had to get in depth and study and take a look back at these things that I don't like looking at. But it's helped me immensely. You know, y'all have no idea and having this opportunity how much this has helped me and, and see things and realize things. Uh, so for the first time in my Christian life, anger wasn't the emotion. Irritation wasn't the emotion. And from the very beginning, it was sadness. Not for me. That was another thing. It was sadness for, for seeing that. You know, it, it's... It, it's Last time I talked about humility, it is so difficult to admit when you're wrong. And I would implore all of you to, you know, really think about those things. If something, you know, is weighed on your heart, we always say, or, or if there's, you know, just something that doesn't bother you. If, you. if you've done something, you're sitting with it. My baptism. I was baptized. I was... I was put under some water in a church building when I was 25. I was not baptized. Now, I said the things I was supposed to say, and then my grandfather did the things that Church of Christ members do, and everybody was happy, and we went and ate, and it was, it was great. Another one thing that I realized, and though I said, you know, the best moment of my adult life Something just always bothered me, sitting in the pews and, and listening, and, and yeah, I'm doing good. I even came forward, you know, it was like after, after a while, I said, hey, I got to repent of my sins and pray for me, but there was something still there. And I had to take a real, real hard look at, at that baptism. You know, yes, I believe that, uh, I believe in Christ, I believe in God, I believe in the scripture, 
but repent and be baptized, all of you, for the remission of sins, I could not get out of my head. There was something wrong. I, I did not have that relationship. Because when I did it, I didn't mean it. I didn't understand it. I went through emotion. So, uh, one Wednesday night, I, I asked Greg, I said, will you baptize me tonight? And so it, you know, however old I was a couple of years ago, I don't remember. Uh, I got baptized. So, this basically is, is wrapping up, you know, all that. And so that's why I said on, on uh, Sunday in a perfect world, everybody could, could be here for all of it so that it can make a connection, you know, uh, from beginning to end. Because uh, it, it's, it's something, it's a, a story that I couldn't tell. And this is really like, you know, even though it did go long every time, it was a Cliff Notes version. We're still, you know, Wednesday, everybody's going to be back at their churches here at... Uh, we're going to do more of a class tomorrow here uh, with a, like a normal class for the, the service. Still, you know, and I, I get to pick the subject material, but uh, and then Thursday we'll, we'll close this out. But Thursday is, is there's not going to be any of the story, any of that. Thursday is, is just, a, a, to me, the culmination of everything that is good, everything that is perfect, everything that is right, and everything that is the answer to that, the gospel. And remembering that, how much time do we spend reflecting and remembering that? We have it, it says it up here, right? You can tell this, do you remember to me? Yeah. So, one thing that makes our church unique from, from other churches is that we do this first day of the week. Why do we do it on the first day of the week? As often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me. Okay? Uh, another thing that I did while getting, you know, kind of OCD-ish and, and, and moving that was I have uh, studied deeply all of the major and a lot of the uh, not so major divisions and, and denominations. I studied them, studied them, studied them, studied them, still studied them. That way I can get a connection with those people in order to talk to them about it and find out. What it, and the common line, and, and that is, I say, well, how come you guys don't do the Lord's Supper every week? And I say, well, we only do it on, you know, Christmas and Easter. We only do it on the pagan holidays because uh, the Catholic Church decided that. That's the truth part of it. But they just say, well, we only do it on these, these times because if we did it every week, it would be come too common. That plague gets passed every week. So perception is reality that that's a corporation. That, that, that's what matters, right? That. And it's important that when that we reach those folks. Imagine if you could persuade a good old Southern Baptist minister, talking to him in spirit and in love. We wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't think, well, y'all come over to Warren Springs Road Church of Christ. No, 
I would say, sell your stupid piano, teach the truth to your folks. And can you imagine how amazing that would be? And those people already have desire for the truth because they're sitting in there. So we need to remember those folks too when we're remembering all the other ones that we're out there trying to save. Because um, that's the point of it. So, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, that every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, regardless of what anybody's belief system is, and, and if you're talking or working with somebody, and I would phrase this differently if we have visitors in here that weren't members of the church. Regardless of what any denomination or any man thinks or teaches, atheists, whatever, picture that in your head. It's not just so much that, uh, you know, when the Lord comes that, that every knee shall bow, that's impressive. But that everyone will confess his name. Everyone's going to confess his name. Everyone will have to worship him and acknowledge that, and then judgment comes. We don't get many people to come forward because it, it, it's hard, and uh, when somebody comes forward, it is tense. It's like, whoa, oh, what happened? And sometimes people have icky things they have to say. We had a preacher, and he wasn't there very long in the church I was growing up at. And he, uh, he had an affair. He was a preacher. But, and, and so he came forward and had to confess that. I was like, wow. We had another guy grew up. His dad uh, ended up that he was a homosexual, and he had contracted HIV. That was another whoa moment. And I, and I, I, I think back that, if there's that temptation where you have spiritual need or if that sin occurred, why didn't they come forward? Why didn't they say anything? Why didn't they do anything? And we're terrified of judgment from each other, which is stupid because I'm not going to give an account to you for my life. My eternal life. As a fellow Christian, I do have to give account to you for how my life here if I do something wrong, I need to give an account for that to you. And, but that, that's so that I can have the forgiveness of my sins. But think about your eternal life. And, and if it comes up now or in the future that there's, some time, that, you know, there's something you need or prayers, get over yourself. Fix it. You know, words get used so much, eternity becomes nothing. Spend time with that thought, too. And spend time with that thought often. Spend time with actually understanding what remembering what Christ did. And that suffering. We don't like to talk about it. It's just like the animals in all the little preschool rooms for the flood. That is a terrible story. That's it. That's it. Everyone died. It was so bad that when Moses got off the ark, he planted a vineyard so he could get drunk. It was that bad for him, which is a whole other lesson. But, hey, alcohol is not good, right? Look what, look what that happened. Look what happened after that. 
But anyway, um, so tomorrow we're gonna, we're gonna, it's going to be more like a class setting. So we're, we're uh, uh, participation back and forth in a discussion, um, which I like a lot more. And then Thursday will be uh, straight out of the Bible the whole time. So that's why I wish some folks would have just been patient because it's coming around to it. We're so impatient these days, we can't stand it. 25 minutes and I'm out. I'm done. Terrible. We need to fix that too. We got to fix that too. But I think we're getting better. Anyway, thank you all for listening again tonight. And um, uh, that's it. So for the, the folks here at this congregation, we'll see you tomorrow night. And uh, if you do have any spiritual need that you need to discuss, uh, we just ask that you come forward at this time as we stand and sing.